0: for listening in to our prayer cast from Afri Christ Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the under church uh, often unreached people. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did, and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time, And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Please thank you again for listening in. Download this and send it to your friends. We would appreciate if we recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store and also the Google Play Store. It's the same app for both platforms. It's very well done and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again, and may God bless you as you're listening. Hello, friends. This is Sam Kawesa, your prayer partner, coming to you again from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries. And today I just would like to remind you once again, before we get started, that you can always get our podcast directly from the Internet, www.africristpodcast.com You can also get supplemental notes from our blog, dot prayingwithimpact.com We are also available on other platforms for those who may want to listen to us in their car or or even in their home, on their phones, on your computer or anywhere, 24-7. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean or even our YouTube channel and you can even ask Amazon's Alexa for our podcast and she will provide them to you and uh, you can listen any time of the day so that you can learn the Principles for Praying with Impact, even as you go on your daily work. We are very honored by you allowing us to come into your home or into your prayer life. And we're here to help other people to get closer to the Lord through this ministry, even if we get closer to their um, home churches. And those who don't have a church, we welcome you to listen to us all the time. Like I said before, we don't ask for anything from you except your ear and understanding of the scriptures so that you can um, also make disciples of men, even as our Lord Jesus Christ said. Now, we have a topic today that is very interesting in the sense that um, we're going to relate it to what's going on today. The whole world is at a standstill with the coronavirus virus. And one of the uh, concepts that they used in there, as I was looking at uh, a governor of New York, Mr. Cuomo, who has really done an exceptional job in explaining to the communities around the world using his city uh, about how this is taking place. As you know, when this um, started in China, we did not get too much information from the Chinese, but, you know, you can't blame them because it was new to them also. Well, one thing is that some countries like uh, Singapore and I believe the Czech Republic, we've learned a lot from them, from the things that they have done ever since. But other than that, um, we have been getting very good information daily from the um, governor of New York. And we commend and pray for him and all those people on the front line. Please do not forget to pray for them, not just the doctors and the nurses or just those in the health profession, but also those people, the cleaning people, truck drivers, different people doing different things to fight this battle. So we bring all of them before the Lord. At the very end of the program, I'm going to list, uh, list the countries in their order of downloads, the top country all the way to the bottom country. So, thank you again. And so, let's get started. One of the things that we have learned uh, from this coronavirus. The uh, term, the curve, you've all heard about the term the curve. They're talking about once we hit the curve, then it will start um, coming down, but we are not yet up there. The infections are going to go up, and it's going to go and grow until we hit that curve. So when we hit that curve, then it will be downhill. They talk about flattening the curve and then going downhill the curve because once you flatten a curve, it will start coming down. And we have seen that uh, historically happening in these uh, last three months. The Chinese hit the curve, they flattened it, and then they started going down, meaning that there were no more infections. Now, I'll relate that to uh, the timeline of the Bible and Jesus Christ, but in a different way. And I am asking you, if you can, get a pen and paper, because I'll be saying a lot of scriptures, I may not read each one of them, so you may want to... Go look at a scripture that you want to understand more or you want to uh, uh, get the insight of it in relationship to this. This title today is going to be Why Trust Jesus During the Cor- Coronavirus Lockdown. We always talk about the proven facts or proven path or whatever it is. First, I'm going to use an example that will make it easy for you to understand where we're going as far as this curve and also when we talk about a proven uh, path. Now, in order for us to understand uh, our main topic of uh, Jesus Christ and the timeline of the church, which we are going to go through, I'm going to use those two examples, the coronavirus curve, and then the other one I'm going to use is an example of the car industry. The city of Detroit and the surrounding city is known as the model city or the model capital of the world. Everything in Detroit area somehow is connected to the auto industry because that's uh, where the headquarters of the American big three um, auto companies are, that is uh, General Motors, Ford and Chrysler. So everything around Detroit is somehow attached to the auto industry things that you would never even expect, like insurance. Most people here, when they use employer insurance, they're using auto insurance. You know, there are others, but generally around the Detroit area and the suburbs surrounding it and the cities around, like Flint, um, you're going to see that they are all related to the model city some kind of way. So uh, one of the things that car companies do before they sell you a car is they take it through what they call the proving grounds so you're going to see that uh, the car companies in addition to other things like uh, factories they're going to have proving grounds in the proving grounds say for example they come up with a new car that they need to bring out um, to market before they do it for many years what they do is they uh, they test different parts of it some of them of course it's been proven So, for example they don't have to redo a power windows because they know what how to do with uh, what to do with it okay but when it comes to other things or a new model of a car or new standards that are set by the government they have to use technologies that are allowed or that are going to work uh, for the customer and one of the things they do after they Create this card, they take it to the proving grounds. These proving grounds could be like circular, like a stadium, but in there they have all kinds of possible uh, scenarios. So, for example, in some areas they have potholes and in some areas they just have uh, um, big bumps. And so they are driving this car over these bumps and these drivers come every day and that's all they do. They just keep driving and then they have all these meters in the car. They document everything that takes place so they know when a breakdown is going to happen or if it's, this car is going to be able to manage certain kinds of roads and other areas. Uh, cold, when it's cold, when it's icy, they try every scenario. And those are called the proving grounds because they go there to prove that car. So by the time you go to the showroom to buy that car, it's been proven. Now, that's not the same car necessarily that they took to the proving grounds because now after this car has been proven, say, for example, uh, General Motors is trying to make uh, this new Cadillac, whatever model it is, whatever year, and they want to do certain things. They just have to go and prove it on the ground, on the grounds. So after proving it, after documenting everything, repairing, changing, whatever they need to do, they take it and they do a reproduction of the proved car. And so for you, when you buy the car, yours may not be the one on the proving ground because it's probably going to have, uh, on, on this odometer, it's going to have something like two miles, and those two miles are from parking lot to this, to the truck, or whatever it is. So by the time you get it, it's a brand new car. But guess what? It's gone through the proving grounds. And once it goes through the proving grounds, when you buy that car, there's a brand that the, uh, the company is protecting. So when they say, uh, when General Motors says you're getting a Cadillac or a Buick or whatever one of their makes they do, is you know that this is a Buick, Okay you know what you're getting. If you've used a Buick before, you say, I like Buicks. So, the same way when it comes to Jesus Christ, okay? Keep that picture in, in, in your head. I want you to really uh, imagine with me as we go through this, and I know it's going to bless you, but I'll give you a timeline that will have scriptures as well. Okay, then the other thing, we have been going through uh, these um, press briefings about the coronavirus And uh, one of the things that you notice, they always are talking about uh, uh, the curve. And uh, once we hit that curve, we want to flatten it. And once that that curve flattens, and then the curve is going to be different depending on the preparation of the city, the nation. For example, that curve was different for China. It was new to everything was new to them. And then it was a little different for Singapore because they had seen what the Chinese had gone through. So they knew what not to do and what to do. And then now it came to the United States and other countries. The other countries, if they are wise, they would take note and see what these other countries have gone through to to prevent the catastrophe or to help in the um, process of reducing the uh, infections that's where we have come up with this lockdown. Almost every country is now locked down. And for me, this lockdown, yes, uh, it's a necessary thing that we have to do. Countries are at a standstill. You know, people are not going to uh, uh, their jobs and people who are sick are not seeking medical help because all the hospitals are overcrowded and filled with uh, coronavirus uh, patients. So now, I want you to look at that picture and realize that, you know, in all of this, there is God. You may not understand it, but God is in everything. And that's the same way we're going to look at the life of Jesus Christ, the timeline of the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Now, a lot of people don't understand that timeline. That's why many times people can't connect the Old and the New Testament. They don't realize that the Old and the New Testament is about the same person and the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to try my best to connect in this short time some of those things. But I want you to look at that picture now. The way we hit our curve on this podcast, as far as the timeline of Jesus Christ, it's going to be at the crucifixion. That's when Jesus was crucified. So uh, this this week, this whole week before uh, Easter, we're going to, like say today is Palm Sunday. And it's going to be one of those weeks, you know, culminating into the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and then the death and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you take uh, that curve or that hill, we are now climbing, we are almost at the apex of it. We are almost at the top of that curve. Where the top of the curve, you can imagine a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ and the other two thieves. So you have three crosses on that top of that hill. And Jesus Christ is right there in the center. So you look at that as that curve. And after the crucifixion, things change. We now enter into another aspect of the uh, New Testament. Okay. So all this time, the timeline before the top of the hill, before the uh, crucifying of Jesus Christ, that timeline is a prophetic timeline. That is when the prophecies about Jesus Christ occurred. So different prophets, different times, and we will be climbing that hill. And I'm going to help you the best way I can to help you to climb that hill of prophecy. And then when Jesus Christ is born, we are starting to flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. And then we we, we come to the center of that curve. That's when Jesus is crucified. Now we start really moving the other side of the curve or the other side of the mountain. So just think of that picture, okay? And you will understand. Uh, Every time I say something, if I say something prophetic, and in the beginning I'm going to be doing just that, showing you the different scriptures of prophecy and the stories as best as I can, so that you can understand where we are going in this uh, podcast. Okay, I'll not leave you hanging. It will be a little different. Like I said, it takes a lot of listening. But if you want to understand why we depend on Jesus Christ, why prayer works, why when we pray jesus has gone through the proving ground just like those cars okay just like i said those cars go through the proving ground jesus unlike others have gone through the proving ground i'll read the prophecies and then i'll give you uh their fulfillment in the new testament so you can get that picture okay so now say for example we are going to go through the passover as you know from even the last podcast, that the Passover, that's when the death angel came and bypassed the homes of the children of Israel in Egypt because they had the, uh, the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. So when the death angel came by, did not go in to kill the firstborn of the Israelites, but killed every Egyptian firstborn. In Exodus 12.46, this is the Old Testament, you know, 12.46, it says, it must be eaten inside one house. Take none of the meat outside of the house. Do not break any of the bones. Okay, now those things are important. Also in Numbers 12 12:9-12 uh, it says, they must not leave any of it till morning or break any of it, of its bonds when they celebrate the Passover they must follow all these regulations so that's what God was telling them that this thing has to be eaten in one house when we take on Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is a, a personal relationship between you and him each house you consider yourself as a house when you take him you take him as a personal savior. I'm starting at the top of the hill, okay, so that you can see where we are going. This is when the um, Passover was, which is the period we are in. And then, but in the New Testament... When you're on the other side of the hill, in John nineteen thirty-one thirty-six, 36, it says, But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. See, we are at that top of the curve. And these things are being proven. This is a proving ground of scripture. This is a proving ground of the top of the curve. The uh, the prophecy came in, and actually this prophecy happened like one thousand two hundred years prior to that. Okay, and this prophecy says that you should not uh, break his bones; he should stay whole. Because when we take Jesus Christ in, we take him whole. If they had broken his bones, we would be taking the incorruptible, breakable Jesus Christ. But no one can break Jesus Christ. Just like his blood is incorruptible, so his body is also. His body was not broken in pieces. So what we take on the New Testament side of Jesus Christ, he's whole. We take everything about him. We don't just pick one thing and then leave the other. We take the whole Jesus Christ, okay? Now, one of the prophecies, this is on the other side of the hill, okay, before we come up to the top. Uh, in Deuteronomy 21, 23, it says, Be sure to bury him that same day, because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. What does that mean? Okay, when he says that um, he who is hung on a tree is cursed and you must take care of it and bury him right away. That is because during the Passover week, they did not want the Passover day to come and they still had a dead body because in the Jewish beliefs at that time, they did not do anything to do with death as far as, you know, the Passover time. Because remember when they were in Egypt, uh, the Bible says that God told them that get your walking stick, get your clothes on and eat everything. Because when you start to move, it will be quick. The prophecy is in Deuteronomy 21:23, okay? And that is that he will be hanged on a tree as a curse for us. The book of Galatians explains what that uh, prophecy says And Galatians 3:13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, "Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree." Here we see the prophecy in Deuteronomy 21:23 which says basically is that to be hung on a tree is a curse. And Jesus became curse for us. And that's uh, explained in Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we are no longer led by the law. Okay. In fact, one of the things that happened during his crucifixion, he became thirsty. Psalm twenty two fifteen says, My strength is dried up like a post hard, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. That is a prophetic psalm right there. Psalm twenty two fifteen and it is fulfilled in John 19:28 which reads like this Later knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled Jesus said I am thirsty okay so the scripture being fulfilled is Psalm 22:15 where he talks about uh, prophetically, the psalmist was telling us Jesus saying he was thirsty, and then come to John nineteen twenty eight. Jesus actually says those same words. Okay, now I'm going back and forth from the other side of the curve to this side of the curve. The other thing that we see that was prophesied in the Old Testament, uh, uh, Psalm twenty seven twelve. Do not hand me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses will rise up against me. Breathing out violence, okay? This is a prophetic psalm that shows that Jesus was accused by false witnesses. And another psalm also prophesies that same thing. It says, uh, Psalm 35, 11, ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. Now, how is that fulfilled? In Matthew 26, 6, it says many false witnesses came forward. And then in Mark 14:55 to 61 you can read that but it says basically then some stood up and gave false testimony against him that's the fulfillment of the testimony remember we are at the top of the of the hill things are happening we are climbing we are to the top of the curve things are happening prophecies are being fulfilled and now I just want you to understand one thing though you can find prophecies about Jesus Christ from Genesis all the way to Revelation. But I'm taking this short run towards the death because we are in that season right now. Not only are we in this season in biblical times or biblical uh, uh, calendar, we are in this season in our lives right now as the world. We are in lockdown. There's death all over. There's death everywhere in every country. Some countries, they are saying, oh, it's coming, it's coming. Not different than, remember, when the angel of death was coming... He didn't come all at once at every house of Egypt. You would hear wailing from this end to the other. That's why the Bible says when he comes by your house, that means there was a movement from one side to the other. We are seeing that happening now from one nation to another, this movement of death. But we have to stay connected to Jesus Christ in this time. In Micah 5.1, it says... They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. And Matthew 27, 30 says they spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. So we see another fulfillment of the scriptures here. Now don't forget, I'm trying to give you the scriptures of the proving ground. This is not all of the proving ground, but we are zeroing in because we are right at the top of the hill. We are just about to go on the other side. We are flattening the curve so to speak based on what we are going through today. I'm trying to take you so that you can picture this at the top of the curve and you're going to be blessed when you realize what's going on. Okay, Don't forget, this is the season of Easter. We are approaching the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection and we are approaching Passover. We are in Passover. Today is a uh, um, Palm Sunday. Let me read you what's going on on Palm Sunday so you see the picture very well because this too was a prophecy and the prophecy is a triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. He's going to enter Jerusalem. The prophecy starts like this. This is in Zechariah 9 verse 9. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all weapons used in battle." And your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Because of the covenant I made with you, I'll free your prisoners from death in waterless dungeon. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day that I'll repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Okay, so you see here, God is telling us that, you know what, the king is coming. This is what uh, Palm Sunday is all about. He came into Jerusalem. He came on a donkey very humbly. You know, people probably would say, how can a king come that way? But he came on a donkey, riding on a donkey, okay? And, you know, he says, I'll remove battle chariots from Israel, and we 'll destroy the weapons used in battle, so many times we wonder, we look at all these nations, they all have armies, standing armies, the Chinese army I think it 's what uh, has two million people or something uh, the u s army, the South Korean army. Uh, Singaporean army, then you come Canadian army, you go to Africa, uh, Egyptian army, you go to South African army, you go to the Ugandan army, you go to the Kenyan army, and God is telling us, listen, you won't even have to fire those bullets, you won't even have to use those weapons, because he says in Zechariah 9, I will destroy all the weapons used in battle. What does destruction mean? See, for us, we think that destruction is you bomb them out. To me, destruction is being put to no use. No bullet can stop this. No nuclear weapon can stop this. Okay? So it doesn't matter what we have as weapons. God has basically put his hand on the muzzle of the gun. Now, this is a triumphal entry being prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. This is the season we are in right now. The things that I just read are happening in the world now. Is it a wonder that they are coming through this period of Passover and the crucifying of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Matthew 21 verse 1, it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied on a colt with her loose them and bring them to me and if anyone asks anything to you you shall say the lord has need of them and immediately he will send them all this was done that it might fulfill which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, remember that what I just quoted? Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. lowly is sitting on a donkey, a colt, a fall of a donkey. So you see, this was prophesied in the Old Testament, and we see the fulfillment in the New Testament. And so remember again, We are on the top of our curve. It's now getting flat. It's totally flat when Jesus is crucified. And then we start going downhill. Now downhill, don't take it as a bad thing necessarily here, because even during the coronavirus thing, downhill is good news because that means less death, more people recovering. Don't forget, we are talking about the proving ground. We are proving just like those cars. When you buy that car in the the showroom, you know it has gone through the Proving Ground. Why Jesus Christ? Because he has gone through the Proving Ground. The prophecy is stated and then we see its fulfillment in the New Testament. I'll give you another one. The Bible talks about soldiers casting lots uh, for his coat. In Psalm twenty-two eighteen, it says, they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Now look at this in John 19 Uh, 23 through 24, this garment was seamless. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. Okay, So you see here for them, for their selfish reason, they didn't realize their fulfilling prophecy because they say, man, this is expensive, man. Why tear it apart to divide? Let's just cast lots and whoever wins, wins and takes the whole thing. We don't want to mess it up. See, that's what uh, it is with Jesus Christ. We cannot divide Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes as whole to us. That's why the church should unite and be as people or followers of Jesus Christ. None of these isms and on an individual basis You have more power in prayer when you take the wholeness, the fullness of Jesus Christ and what he has called us to be. The church needs to hit the reset button. Okay, I'll give you another um, um, prophecy. This is about his betrayal about 800 years before it took place. In Psalm 41, 9, it says, Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his kill against me okay another psalm is uh, Psalm 55 12: 14 again it says if an enemy were insulting me I could endure it if a foe were rising himself against me I could hide from him but if you a man like myself my companion my close friend with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God you betrayed him okay and so that is in the Old Testament the prophecy proving ground. Matthew twenty six fourteen through 16, it says, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over? And then also in Matthew 26, 23, Jesus himself says, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Okay, so you see here there was a prophecy about uh, 800 years being fulfilled. Now don't forget all these things, we are flattening the curve. I want you to keep that picture in mind. We are flattening the curve. Jesus is about to die, okay? And these things have taken place, but they were prophesied. We are on the proving ground of just this one incident. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ a few days before the Passover, and we are relating it to our timeline today. Whether you call it economic or political timeline, that's where we are today with the coronavirus. Okay, now another prophecy that was in the Bible it's about you know, Jesus was accused and afflicted, but he did not open his mouth, he just kept quiet. Okay, they said you did this, you did this, you kept quiet, and that's in Isaiah 53 7. And it says, He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet did not open his mouth, he was led like a lamb to the slaughterhouse and as sheep before her shearers is silent so he did not open his mouth now let's look at Matthew uh, 27 12 it says when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders he gave no answer in Luke 23 9 it says he plied him with many questions but Jesus gave him no answer so here we have in Isaiah 53 7 actually according to biblical timeline that's like 500 years before this happened it was prophesied, and we see that now at the top of the curve, at the top of the hill, we see it being fulfilled. It's reported in Matthew 27 12 and Luke. Again, take that picture of flattening the curve. We are at the top of the hill, okay? We are coming. You know, you can imagine now he has come through uh, Jerusalem. They they have praised him. They put him on a donkey up on the top of the hill. We are still moving just like the curve, the coronavirus thing is happening. Things are happening in the background, but every morning we get this update. So this is our update, okay? Uh, Another prophecy. Don't forget, relate this to the proving ground of the car. So that the car that you're going to get, you know, it's what was proven before. We are proving why Jesus using the prophecies of the Old Testament and the fulfillment at the top of the curve before he's being crucified. Isaiah 53, 9 says, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death Though he had done no violence, nor was deceit in his mouth. So we see that being fulfilled and, and because in Matthew 2757 through60, you can read all that, but I'll just read a few. it says here, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. He asked for Jesus' body and placed it in his own new. So you see here, this was fulfilled. It was prophesied in Isaiah uh, 53, 9, and that was about 500 years before that. That's when Isaiah uh, prophesied. So now we see it being fulfilled in Matthew 27, 57 through 60. In Isaiah 53, 12, it says, He poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. So you're going to find that. Uh, in Matthew 27, 38, and also Mark 15:27 through 28, and it says, Two robbers were crucified with him. Remember, Isaiah said he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. These are the transgressors that were prophesied um, 500 years before and now being fulfilled. Now, prophesied in Zechariah 11:12. 12, through 13 it says, so they paid me 30 pieces of silver. I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Now if you know the story of, of Judah after he was paid and then he felt remorse for having betrayed the Lord, he went to the temple and tried to get give that money back to them. And they refused it. So he threw it at them. This was uh, in Zechariah 11, 12 as a prophecy. So in Matthew 27, Judas returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. They decided to use the money to buy a potter's field. So you see, all these things are proving ground. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? To the end, you'll see why I asked that question. Why Jesus? Okay. And so we see a prophecy again this was about another 500 years years before that in the biblical timeline and then being fulfilled and don't forget we are at the very top of the hill the curve the curve you know the apex of the of the hill just like they have been telling us about the coronavirus we are the apex in fact it's almost like they're excited that the uh that the uh, apex is coming but people are still gonna be dying at the apex, it's not that they are not going to die, but they are excited that it's coming. Change is on the way, so it is with Jesus Christ. It's not easy for him to go to the uh, to, to to the cross, and it's not a beautiful thing. But we are excited about it because after that, things are going to happen differently, biblically. Okay, so now he dies. And then he resurrects. And this is the season we are in, the season of Passover, the season of his uh, uh, being crucified, and then the season of his resurrection. We are going to use those as a basis of why Jesus. And so anyone who asks you, Why Jesus? Because Jesus went through all this and he resurrected. Because everything that we bring before you, it has to be something that uh, makes sense. That uh, it's not just reasoning. Something that can be substantiated. In fact, all these things can be substantiated by history. Now, a very important thing that happened around this time is that Jesus became, and I'll just give you the scriptures because of the time, he became a Passover male lamb. For us. You know, the Passover male lamb was was slain before they were released by the pharaoh to go back and remember the Bible says that let my people go that they may come and worship me. So the Passover with the blood of Jesus, was applied for protection. But the final thing is to worship the Lord. Even for us, all these protections that we may have when we plead the blood of Jesus is so that at the end, when the Passover has happened to our lives, whatever the situation may be, like now we can say that our Passover that we are looking for in this Passover season is coronas. Uh, pray and plead the blood this Passover, but why? Is this so that you may just go back and make money? No, so that we may worship the Lord That's what happened. God said to Moses, whenever he went to the Pharaoh, he would say, let my people go that they may worship me. So listen, when we go through this lockdown, those of us who survive, let it not be that we go back to the old ways, but so that we may worship the Lord with whatever we're doing, with whatever our calling, so that if we are workers out there, we are working as if unto the Lord, even as the Bible says. That is a worship of God. When you work and you work diligently, so that profit is not your motive. You know, I hear leaders saying, oh, we need to go back to work. That's who we are. Listen, we need to go back to worshiping the Lord. All those things will come. Those are fringe benefits of loving God. Those are fringe benefits of doing what God calls us to do. Those are fringe benefits of loving fellow man as we love ourselves. Jesus gave us very clear instructions. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul. And that's what we need to do at the end of this uh, catastrophe that's happening to the whole world. And we as Christians have to be very careful that we don't fall prey to uh, just going back to things as usual. Now, as we continue our quest to understand the car when it comes to prophecy, uh, we've been talking about prophecy from the Old Testament being fulfilled in the New Testament. An interesting prophecy happened in within the life of Jesus Christ or, or within his ministry. He is the only one who prophesied what I'm going to read, and he is the one who fulfilled it. So as we are coming to this curve, the top of the the hill, the top of our curve, as we are flattening it. This is a very interesting way to look at this. Uh, Many people haven't seen it that way, but I do. Jesus himself prophesied about himself, his death and his resurrection. We can find that in Matthew 17, and uh, I'll read it for you. Matthew 17, verse 22. After they gathered again in Galilee, Jesus told them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. So Jesus here prophesied about his coming death and also his resurrection. And I do realize that in the Old Testament, actually, Except in a couple of psalms, there is no mention of resurrection per se. And I really believe because this was so important, Jesus himself had to make the prophecy. He made the prophecy and within a short time it was fulfilled. So here again we see what we've been talking about, the proving grounds. This particular prophecy, he is the one who said it and it was fulfilled. And when he dies... Then that turns everything around. And so now we are starting to approach to a flat in the curve that's on the top of the hill. uh, Two thieves, one on each side of Jesus Christ. The first person to get the benefit of salvation or forgiveness was one of those thieves who was crucified with Jesus Christ. Remember, the one who chastised the other thief, he told him that, listen, this man has done nothing, but for us, at least we're here for what we did. And Jesus told him that today you'll be with me in paradise. And so he was the first beneficiary of forgiveness. Because if you look at it, Jesus Christ, when he says, you'll be with me in paradise, that means he has erased everything this man had done. And how could he do that? The man didn't even say, forgive me, Lord. He just did what? Recognize who he was. We have to recognize who Jesus is, the divinity of Jesus Christ. When we do that, then on that curve, we start going downhill. Now, downhill, I'm not talking in the sense of uh, losing what you have, but actually it's a gain because what's happening is everything else is, go- is coming behind you. Now, I want to read you John 15, 26. 27 when jesus promised about the holy spirit as a helper he said but when the helper comes whom i shall send to you from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will testify of me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning now you see the holy spirit testifies of jesus christ and this thief being crucified with jesus christ he recognized that. He testified of who Jesus was to the other thief. And for that, he was the first beneficiary of uh, Jesus' forgiveness and actually going to heaven as we see it or going to paradise with Jesus. Now, so we are at the top of this curve. We are now seeing everything flattened out. I want you to picture again, we had the prophecies of the Old Testament being fulfilled. And when we come to the top of the hill when Jesus is crucified and then he dies and he resurrects, now we are starting to experience the church as we know it because now Jesus Christ is gone and this promise of the helper is now taking his place in the sense of being with us. And that is empowerment that we get At the cross, when Jesus died, resurrected, that's when things started to change. That's when the baton was passed on to us to start testifying, to start carrying the church. An interesting thing that uh, on a personal level about resurrection. When I was a child, I had an uncle who was a Muslim. And this man, he taught me a few hymns, surprisingly Christian hymns. And one of them that he taught me was um, about Jesus rising from the dead. Can you imagine? He was Muslim, and but he taught me this hymn. And many of you may be familiar with the hymn. It goes, He rose, he rose, he rose, he rose, he rose from the dead. He rose, he rose, he rose, he rose, he rose from the dead. He rose, he rose, he rose, he rose, he rose from the dead. And the Lord shall bear his children home. I was taught that by a Muslim. Jesus' resurrection is real. He prophesied it. It came to pass. So once again, we see we need this reset. This is the church history. Now remember, what we are trying to show is why Jesus. Even during this COVID-19 lockdown, why Jesus? Now, we are in lockdown. The whole earth, the whole planet is on lockdown, okay? And so now at this time, my admonishment to everyone who is listening to this and every Christian is during this lockdown, re-examine yourself. Think about your spirituality. Think about where you'll be if you were to go. If today you had the virus and if in two weeks and this thing kills fast, you won't even have time to do so many things you thought you could do. If you are told you got the virus, the possibility of you dying is right there now in front of you. What do you depend on? Depend on Jesus. Why Jesus? Now, what if you survive the virus? Same thing. I want you to remember that the question we are trying to answer is why Jesus? Jesus is different than any other we could depend on, than any other prophet of the Bible, than any other religious leader. That's why we Christians can stand firm and say He is our Lord and Savior. So now we are on the top of the curve. It's now flattening out and it's going to start going downhill. And when we take that walk Compare it with what we did in the first half of this podcast and see now all these prophecies have been fulfilled. But we are now the carriers of those prophecies because he said he'll send us the Holy Spirit, he'll be with us, and he'll help us. So now the church is starting to do its work. The church, I'm not talking about church building or even denominations. I'm talking about those believers of Jesus Christ. And that means that we have to bring Jesus back into us, ourselves, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have to make the temple of the Holy Spirit what it is again. It's not that we cannot meet in church buildings, and we should. But just remember that uh, even before church buildings became um, what we know them as today, the church used to meet. The church is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is us. In Matthew 21, 13, Jesus said that my house shall be called the house of prayer. So we have to do a reset again when it comes to the way we treat the um, churches or building church buildings. We have taken uh, prayer out of the church. Even though many times we talk about prayer coming out of schools, but prayer is out of church. And Jesus said that my house shall be called the house of prayer. So we have to hit the reset button in that area. The reset button is not just for the church, but all our systems that we have been using, the world systems, everything is at a pause. Can you imagine? This has never happened before where everything is on pause. It's like we need to reset. We need to reset our economic systems. We need to reset our church systems, uh, belief systems. We have to reset our health systems. We have to just reset almost anything. We have to reset the way we treat one another, the way nations relate to each other, the way races relate to each other, because now we have seen we've got one common enemy— the same way we have this enemy in the, uh, this virus is the same way Satan is. We have to hit reset. We are not the enemies of each other. We are supposed to be the brother's keepers. That's what the Bible wants us to do. Be each other's keepers, just as it was in the beginning. I want your imagination again. That now we are carrying this. Before it was the prophecies; it was uh, to fulfill uh, up to AD one when Jesus was was born. Now Jesus has been born. Jesus has been uh, uh, has had three years of ministry. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has died, and even as we enter into this week, this week of his death and resurrection. It's happening to us right now where things seem to be dying down. The church is shaking right now because even if you wanted to, this is going to be the first Easter, the first resurrection day that the planet Earth is going to have and they will not be in a church building. The Bible says in Hebrews that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And right now one of the things that is being shaken is the church as we think it. We think the church is this big great buildings and it's good. The first church buildings actually happened in AD two hundred and sixty one. You know, that's almost like two hundred and what? Thirty years after Jesus' ministry. That's when buildings first became of as we know them church. Okay. Previous to that, the church used to meet uh, in homes of of people. But during uh, two hundred and sixty one AD or around there, first church buildings were erected, and they were, you know, they were rectangular, and they were called basilicas. So that's the first time we saw church buildings as we know them today. But God tells us in the Book of Acts, chapter seven, verse forty four, it says. Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan God uh, had shown Moses. Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors in battle against the nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory, and it stayed there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for God for the God of Jacob, but it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? asks the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? Earth? So as you can see from that scripture, God does not live in buildings. That scripture is being fulfilled today during the COVID-19 lockdown. Because now no church is going to meet because almost every country has outlawed any meeting, not just church meetings, any meeting of say 10 people or more. So that means during this lockdown, churches as we know them, if you have a hundred people, a thousand people, two hundred people, you are not going to be able to meet any place in the world. God is now showing us the fulfillment of that scripture we just read in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 48, that He does not live in temples made by man. But remember, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He made us, so He lives in us. God is proving to us In real time, who he is, what that scripture is, we are part of the fulfillment of that scripture. You tell me if this Sunday you're going to try to meet. I know some pastors, I think in Florida, there's a guy who tried to meet on on some other states. But you know what? There's a danger to that. That is not God. And I'm going to say that emphatically because this is it. We are supposed to obey Those are the same people who tell us to obey authority, that every authority is instituted by God. Now this authority for the good of man, for the good of their neighbor, if you love your neighbor as yourself and they tell you that what you do could endanger your neighbor and then you go on ahead and do it and then try to call on the name of God, you are not calling on the God we serve. You are not calling on the God who just told us in this scripture that He does not live where? In temples built by man. Because as we said, those buildings did not even get started until A.D. 261. That's when basilicas were built at that time. Because previously Christians met in homes. Now we are back in homes. We are meeting in our home. You better encourage your congregation to start meeting in their home. Tell them, listen, I am your pastor, but I want you to do something for the church, for the congregation, for you. For your family, meet this Easter, this resurrection day. Meet in your home because this is the time of a Passover. God is basically putting us back where it used to be the time of Passover. What happened to the children of Israel before the miracle of being freed? He put them back into their homes and he locked them and he told them, he gave them instructions. As we saw earlier, he gave them instructions and said, hey, Put your clothes on. Get your walking stick because time is going to come and it's going to be fast. So right now, that's what's happening to us. Because of this virus, we are all locked down and we are into our homes and we are going to to realize that God does not live in the temples or in the buildings of man. Thank God for those things, but they were not always there, and we cannot depend on those. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit. Remember, we just read the scripture that he promised that he would send us the helper. And so now at the top of this curve, in our real time, 2020, March, April, May, we are on top of that curve, and we are going to have Easter for the first time. In our modern times or in church history after the resurrection, we are going to go back again since 261 AD. We are going to go back into meeting in our homes for Easter, for the resurrection day. Because God is trying to show us, I dwell in my temple made by me and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? Read that scripture again, and you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. So now we are finding out scripture being fulfilled, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus promised that he would send that helper to us, and that helper is going to be with us this Easter day, okay? So do not despair because you're not going to go to your favorite church or your favorite temple, whatever it is, because God is saying, I want to show you that I dwell inside of you. Once you get that, then you can answer to these people who ask you, Why Jesus? Because he's showing it to us in real time. This is the proving ground. Like I gave you the story of the proving ground in the cars. Jesus Christ has the proven ground. There is a lot more, and I wish I could address all of it. I've given you just a little inkling. It's like going to the car factory of the car that you really want, and you want to know why. Like, you know, we have these auto shows, Chicago auto shows, Detroit auto shows, Paris auto show. Every year, these automakers come and bring their wares and they tell you about this car. This is what went through. There may be videos behind it showing you the proving ground, trying to basically uh, tell you, ask you, or convince you to buy their car. That's what religions are right now. Each one of them is trying to get you to believe in them. Okay, now Christianity compared to all these other religions... It has a proven track record. It has gone to the proving ground. Right now, what we are seeing going on, no other religion has any prophecy or any word similar to what we are going through with the coronavirus. None. You can try, but you won't find any. But in the Bible, you're going to find many instances of the pictures of what is taking place today. Like I have uh, in my last podcast, I talked about the lockdown and I talked about the uh, Passover and I talked about the blood of the lamb. And today I've taken you through a timeline to show you the proving grounds of this car called Christianity, how it went through the proving ground. Now you are at this uh, showroom and you want to get this car because it has a proven record. Because the proving ground is there to be seen and to be checked and to be examined. You can examine it. And that comes to everything else, including healing, including whatever it is that you want. And I do know a lot of people are now saying, okay, uh, if if Christianity, these preachers talking about healing, yes, there are those quacks out there, I must admit. There are those quacks, but that does not take away the power of Jesus Christ healing. People have played around with healing, with blessings of finances, this and the other. And they are quarks. Many of them are quarks. But that does not take away from the fact that Jesus Christ actually heals. It doesn't take away from the fact that if you plead the blood of Jesus as it was in the Passover, because for you, you're basing it on the word of God, the Bible says that God's word is proven. In the book of Psalms, it says that. And so the thing is this. The integrity of God's word is proven on the proving ground. I've just given you a little bit on the curve, on the top of the curve. And then taken you a little bit through the church history to bring you up to today. I didn't even go all the way because there's no time in this podcast. But I wish you would get that in your spirit. That yes, during this lockdown, these things have happened before. Go listen to our last podcast. You'll see these things have happened before. The blood of Jesus. Plead it over your home. Let them laugh at you. It doesn't matter. You do it. And those who use it correctly, they are going to have a Passover. This Passover season. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is the Passover season. Passover my home. Passover my children. Let the Angel of death, not come near my home. Even as it says in Psalm 91, That 10,000 may fall all around you, a thousand beside you, but it shall not come near your home. Plead that. Plead that. Does it mean the other people have been judged one or the other? No. I'm saying those who believe, they that believe, they are going to find this working on their behalf. And then it will be a great testimony on the other side of the curve. Some are going to say, you know what? The Lord healed me but through medicine. The Lord healed me through my immune system. The Lord healed me through the protecting hand. The Lord healed me by pleading the blood of Jesus. All of them, all of them are instituted by our God because he is the one, the maker of them all, The maker of the doctors, the scientists, the chemists, the pharmacists, the nurses, the cleaners, whatever it is, he is the one. So during this time of uh, um, lockdown, why Jesus? Let that be your question. Why Jesus? This is why Jesus. Okay, so now let us pray so that we can finish up our podcast. And then at the end of the prayer, I'm going to go through our list of countries. Oh, and you'll be surprised who is on top right now. It will amaze you. This is how good God is and how we are reaching people all over in regards to prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Thank you, Father, for all those who believe in your word. Father, today you have shown us through the timeline, just a little bit of the timeline, the proving ground of why Jesus during this lockdown. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters out there who have been listening, who have followed Uh, through so that they may understand this what I couldn't explain well I ask you through the power of the Holy Spirit that you may explain to each and every one of them show them the scriptures that they need to supplement this teaching Lord and I'm asking you father that you may bless them when they pray I'll pray even as uh, King Solomon says that if your people come to you And call upon your name that you will answer their prayer, Lord. I ask you, Father, that you may answer each one their individual prayer. But first and foremost, Father, I come before you with them. Join with the thousands who are joining us now in our podcast, Lord. We pray and come against this coronavirus, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that it may come to an end. A lot of nations, a lot of people are suffering and are dying. But Lord, we are asking you that your hand of deliverance may come over the whole earth, Lord. Father, put us in the palm of your hand and protect us, Lord, from this attack. And that, Lord, Heavenly Father, you give wisdom to uh, the front line, uh, people on the front line, uh, the doctors, the nurses, the technicians, those cleaning the uh, rooms, those setting up new uh, hospital beds, those tracking them, those uh, planes flying with the the different uh, equipment that they need, Father. We thank you for all the factories that are making them we thank you father the drug research that's taking place we thank you father that you give wisdom to man because father in the same way you brought other drug uh drugs into onto the market that helped a lot of people we pray father that there will be a change a change new drugs or new ways to use drugs that are already there that lord heavenly father that one of these days the end of this will come and the name of jesus will be glorified that people will change their ways that lord we will see that without you we are nothing lord that with you we can do all things oh lord even as your word says and so father we thank you that you uh, in, in your Great mercy, you have mercy upon us lord as a as a people of the earth, Lord, the whole planet is on a standstill. Father, we come to you, even as David and Nehemiah came and 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 and, and they prayed and Daniel and they asked for forgiveness, Lord. Forgive us for taking you for granted. Forgive us for not looking your way. And Father, even as people have gone through this podcast, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you show them that this timeline is real and that the the time when Jesus Christ is coming back is real. And it could be any time, Lord. Father, you have put us on pause so that we may think, so that we may think and say, we can not do everything. We need Jesus Christ. Father, let us not go back in worshipping other gods like mammon, stock market, our riches. Father, we have seen that none of those can help us. None of them can do anything for us. We need you, Lord Jesus, to be on our side. Oh, Father, even as you came and you brought um, Noah, we see that in those days, not many people listened to him, but those who did listen, Lord, there was a new beginning. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you that there will be a new beginning. There will be a Noah somewhere that they look at you, dear Lord Jesus, as the one who is the knower of today, you are saying, come, come, come. But many times, Lord, we look down upon your call. We are asking you, Lord, that you change all the churches, that even churches, Lord, they cannot meet right now. So those churches that did not build your people up, Father, they are going to come to an end. We know that everything, the Bible says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. We see the shaking taking place, the shaking taking place in the heavens because that's what your word says, that one more time, You are going to shake everything in the heavens and on earth. And you have done it, Lord. The things that we trusted in, now we are seeing that we cannot. And they cannot save us. Only you can save us. May the blood of Jesus cover us, O God. In the name of Jesus, Father, that your name will be glorified. Father, may this be an opening to bring more people into the kingdom, Lord. To show them that it's Jesus Christ. It's you who has helped us, who has held us, and who will take us through this. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. And so, my friends, I'm going to read you the list, and I'm just going to read it uh, in the order of um, the countries. And if there's more than one country with the same downloads, I'll just say, number this, this belongs to them. So now, hey, 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 we have a new top country download, and it's Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. And then the United States is number two. India is number three. Philippines is number four. or oh, Nigeria has fallen behind now. It's number five. Singapore, Moldova, Grenada, Canada, those are number six. So that's Singapore, actually Nigeria, Singapore, Moldova, Grenada, and Canada. Those are number five. Then number six, the United States. Emirates, United Arab Emirates, then number seven is Botswana, number eight is Ghana, number nine is Jamaica, number 10 is Kenya, number uh, 11 is, oh, the People's Republic of Congo, then Malaysia, and then Suriname, and then, oh, my system just says, and others, 3.7% of others, but I thank you all for downloading, please. Let your country go on top next time. Keep referring people to our our, our podcast. And when you go to one of those platforms, hit the subscribe button. And in the name of Jesus, be blessed. Amen.